In this episode of Wisdom Talks, John Barter explains the power and potential in the Four Noble Truths espoused by the Buddha. This skillful template, if applied to life, can reduce stress and suffering. The truths that, if engaged and realized, lead to deep peace and joy. We have been looking into some of the Buddha's teachings, which are called, one way of calling them is numerical collections. Numerical as in uh, numbered. Um, you probably uh, appreciated that a lot of these teachings are classified not just into teachings in terms of their um, sections of um, long discourses, short discourses, middle-length sayings and so forth, but especially also teachings that have um, numbers that relate to them in terms of the the three characteristics of existence, the three ways of practice, um, the three ills, and certainly we've had a look at uh, some of these, but um, now looking into the collection of four, where there's um, four principles or four ways of practice or classification of four particular states, emotional states, let's say. So um, to begin, to begin, uh, Probably, probably one of the main teachings of the Buddha that um, most people that uh, would read something about Buddhism, read something about the Buddha, um, or hear something about it, would learn about the Four Noble Truths. And uh, in the Buddhist language of Pali, these are called the Arya Satcha. Arya means a noble, and Satcha means a truth or truths. And we can ask, well, why are they called uh, noble truths? Especially when um, these truths are all about dukkha, which is suffering. That's one way of uh, translating the word dukkha, stress, distress, angst, unease, suffering. But they're noble in the sense that uh, they're truths that have been stated or realized, realized and stated by a, a noble person, a fully enlightened Buddha, so, which is the term Arya. Arya means uh, enlightened or noble. Uh, secondly, they're truths uh, about enlightenment. And thirdly, they're truths that, uh, if engaged and realized, lead to enlightenment. So great power and potential in, in these four truths. However, however, because they're the truths of or about suffering, then often people don't particularly want to uh, know too much about them um, because uh, who, wants to, who wants to learn about suffering? <laughs> who wants to know more about suffering? But the fact is that uh, if we're looking to reduce stress, distress, angst, unease, suffering in our life, then it's important to understand it as opposed to trying to avoid it or reacting against it because even the avoiding or the reacting against it may even potentially increase the suffering either at that time or, or later. But uh, one, of the, one of the appreciations of uh, the Four Noble Truths is that they relate to everybody, no matter how much distress, angst, unease, suffering that one has, because 
universally, beyond time, place, custom culture, age, gender, we all have some degree of angst or unease or stress or suffering in our life. And therefore, these truths are relevant. But uh, also, we could say that um, most people do have the aspiration, inclination, motivation towards reducing their stress suffering in some sort of a way. Problem is that the, the way in which we often do try and reduce our stress suffering can be seen more as a distraction from it, maybe an avoidance of it, a reaction to it, which again does often lead to more stress and suffering. Again, maybe not just at that time that we're indulging in some sort of pleasant or pleasurable activity, but maybe down the track. It maybe, um, maybe doesn't increase it, but it doesn't actually do anything about it. It's still there, still under the surface. We're still sort of avoiding, still trying to get rid of it um, in that particular way. So these four truths are really worthwhile looking into, appreciating, understanding. And, and also because, um, as has been mentioned in the Buddhist discourses, especially by um, um, one of the Buddhist um, disciples, Sariputta, when he heard this teaching on these Four Noble Truths, he appreciated that uh, so much of the Buddha's teachings are encompassed in these four principles or, or these four truths. And he said that just as the footprint of the elephant can contain the, the footprint of most other animals, so too these four truths contain pretty much all of the Buddha's teachings summarized um, in a, in a refined way into these four truths. And so, so obviously the, the expansion of them does lead to many, many teachings um, that are obviously also worth, uh, worth looking into. So the question then, what is, what is the Four Noble Truths? And maybe you've heard uh, about these before, uh, maybe read a bit about them, but they're worth um, appreciating. The first one, and I'll give the, the Buddhist words for these, is uh, Dukkang Aryasachang. And uh, so here is Dukkha, stress, distress, angst, unease, suffering, uh, exists. There is the truth of stress and suffering. Second truth, Dukkha Samutayo Aryasachang, which translates as um, there is a cause to stress and suffering. So stress and suffering is caused. It comes into being because of a cause. Third one is Dukkha Nirodha Aryasachang. Nirodha means extinction or the ending, or the, the annihilation. So there is the ending of stress and suffering, that there is a truth of the ending of stress and suffering. And the fourth one, Dukkha Nirodha Gamini Patipata Aryasachang. There is the practice path, the Patipata, leading to the ending, the Nirodha, the extinction of stress and suffering as a truth. So these four truths, there's, a, there's some degree of order in them. And so the first is that, yes, there is stress and suffering in, in oneself, in one's life. And it's also um, another way of appreciating these truths are the first truth is to be acknowledged. Ah, yes, I am upset. I am distressed. I am suffering. This is suffering. So first truth is to be acknowledged. 
Second truth, there is a cause to my stress and suffering. This truth is to be understood. So actually looking to, to find out what's, what's going on here, why am I upset, why am I distressed, what's the cause of my, my stress and suffering? <clears throat> it's not enough just to acknowledge it, it needs to be understood. Because if we want to do something about it, we need to understand the cause. So understanding what is the cause here. And in understanding the cause, <clears throat> there is the possibility of the ending of stress and suffering. So in this context, this truth is to be realized. So to realize, to realize the end of stress and suffering. <clears throat> bit stress and suffering on the, on the voice. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, the um, realization of the ending of stress and suffering is, is what um, moves these truths beyond being somewhat um, pessimistic because um, they might be seen as like, oh, well, Buddhism, it's so pessimistic. It talks about suffering and uh, it's all about suffering. The whole of Buddha's teachings is summarized about su in suffering. Ah, but it's, it's also about the ending of suffering. Not just it exists, it's caused to exist, but there is the ending. And there is the complete ending, not just some relief for five minutes while I have another cup of tea or coffee or a whatever, but completely, nirota. Another word, uh, a synonym for nirota is nir nirvana, so the, also the ending, enlightenment. Then the, um, the fourth truth is... Um, uh, to be practiced. There is a practice path leading to the ending of stress and suffering. This truth is to be practiced. And um, I've mentioned before that the, the practice path of the Buddha is summarized in the, um, uh, the three, three ways of practice, sila, samadhi, panya, which is living in a wholesome, virtuous, moral way, which is the Buddhist word sila, um, developing the mind, clarifying the minds through meditation, which is samadhi, and then engaging wisdom, which is the which is panya. So sila, samadhi, panya, morality, meditation, wisdom as the way of practice. And so that that fourth truth is about that way of practice. And those those three things summarize also then the eight eightfold path, which um, is um, again the engagement or practice of right or wholesome view, how we perceive, how we, how we view things, and then the right use and skillful use of thought, how we think about things, the right uh, skillful use of uh, speech, the right skillful use of action, bodily action, the right skillful use of our livelihood, the right skillful use of our energy, energy and effort, the right skillful use of our mindfulness, and the right skillful use of concentration or meditation. And so those, those eight, eight ways of practice, which is called the Eightfold Path, summarized down into morality, meditation, and wisdom, which again is the, the fourth truth. Um, I mentioned uh, this morning to the, uh, the Thursday morning group that um, these three truths can also be seen uh, in, a, in a therapeutic way because they are somewhat like the, the medical model where... A, uh, a doctor, um, a health practitioner would see, ah, there is illness here. There is illness here. And then go, okay, well, 
um, what is the cause of this illness? If I find out the cause, then we can eliminate the illness. And, and, then, and if the illness can be eliminated, there must be a way to that, which is the practice path. When the, the eliminating uh, is that process of healing. So in a way, it aligns somewhat to the, the medical model, but also this can be put onto issues, just issues in life as well. So it's quite practical. Okay, there's, there's an issue here, which is obviously maybe causing us some degree of stress and suffering. Okay, there's an issue here. What is, uh, uh, what is the cause of this issue? Okay, if we understand the cause, take away the cause, then it reduces this issue. And there's obviously a way to that, a process to that, uh, which, which may also involve um, doing things in a wholesome, skillful way, developing more clarity of mind, focus, and using wisdom as we deal with this particular issue, which might be people or a workplace situation. So it's a skillful template to be able to apply to life to ultimately reduce stress and suffering um, by degree, yes, but even ultimately. So the ultimate reduction of uh, stress and suffering, which is caused by the three ills, which we've spoken about before, fundamental uh, impulse to, to greed in its various guises and degrees, or to anger in its various uh, guises and degrees, and to um, ignorance, now not seeing, perceiving, understanding the true way of things, or a type of delusion. I um, uh, first really appreciated these four truths in a, in a deep way by, by the uh, um, happening of one of them. So uh, a, a real deep appreciation of one of them led to an understanding of all of them. And this happened when I was uh, 17 and when I, where I was experiencing great suffering, not physical suffering, but great emotional suffering, as, as is the case. Suffering um, tends to be, for most people, certainly in our culture, more psychological than physical. Certainly there, there can be pain, there's physical pain, but the suffering is the psychological, mental, emotional add-on to the sensation of, of pain. And at that point, uh, I was um, in a great sense of uh, confusion, indecision, uh, frustration, because I, I felt that, that there was something important that I needed to do with my life. Life itself was important. Life had great potential, um, something which you probably all felt when we were 17. It's like, wow, life's out there. It's this big thing. It's, it's, most of it's ahead of me. And I want to use it really well. I want to sort of in, do the right thing, engage my life in a way that's going to be most fulfilling for me. But what is that? And what, is, what, what will that path be? Um, I feel that there's something important to do, to, to develop, to experience, to appreciate, to enjoy, to share. But what is it? And, and then how will I get to that? How will I know? And... So somewhat of a, a life crisis at that critical point, and especially having to decide around um, either um, after, because I was doing the HSC at the time, either leaving high school and getting a job, leaving high school and taking up a particular course of study, and there was a number of things that I was really passionate about. Um, 
leaving school and just going, going somewhere, having a gap year. They didn't call it gap years when I was, uh, they sort of just, I think they called it just um, hanging out. <laughs> I think I'll just hang out for a year or two or three or ten. <laughs> um, and there was this sense of urgency. I need to know. I need to decide right now. Got to fill in my, um, I think it was called a UAC form. <laughs> University and colleges entrance form or something. Uh, it's like, I have to do it. I have to know. What is it? What's the answer? What's the answer? And I stressed myself so much that uh, my brain turned off thinking. I said, this is too much stress, trying to work this out. Just, you're going you're gonna to blow a fuse. Anybody did blow a fuse? <laughs> Just turn off the thinking. And the thinking stopped. And when the thinking stopped, John stopped. Because much of the sense of being, being me was through thinking, I'm doing this, I'm going to do that, that happened, I, I like this, that's my, that's my friend, that's my brother, sister, they're my parents, I live there. Thinking stopped, John stopped, and the suffering stopped, the stress stopped. And there was just a great profound peace, a, a transpersonal peace beyond, beyond anything that I tried to cultivate or get or do, it just it was just everything just went quiet but also wonderfully blissful as well because the stress of being John and the pressure wasn't there there was just 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 right now suddenly everything was just right now no past no future that all comes through thinking and remembering and it's me in that memory and back then it's just the whole self wasn't happening and, um, and this, this was, happened actually in nature. I was standing on the edge of a cliff. I wasn't going to jump off. <laughs> it was a, a cliff of a, a brick pit just across the road from where I lived. And a huge big clay pit that had been dug out. Uh, must have gone in about maybe, oh, oh about 10 stories. They dug down into the earth uh, from this hill. And uh, I was just looking out. The, towards the Blue Mountains in the, in the far distance. Uh, was, was, the sun was going down, some clouds, and I just felt this sense of overcome with awe at that time and peace after the intense frustration and confusion and pressure. And it also then started to rain, and I just just happy just to stand there in the rain and just, just looking at the sun going down. And what came into the back of my mind was the Four Noble Truths that I'd heard my, my father briefly talking about because of his, his interest in Buddhism. And suddenly, even though I didn't, I didn't fully know them off by heart, but, but they came into the mind as like, uh, the end of, this is the end of suffering. And the suffering has ended because it was the cause has ended I want this, wanting, clinging, wishing, and, and um, um, the suffering that, that was there. Um, so suffering has ended, the causes, because the cause has ended, and there's the deep peace. And I could then see also the, the, the way to, the way to the ending of suffering was, was not getting caught into clinging, grasping, wanting, either pushing, I don't want that, or I want not to have that. And there was a sense of, yes, that's that. That really works, the Four Noble Truths. There's a great, profound um, depth there. This is a, a psychology of the human condition that is, 
is a wonderful teaching. And I just felt that I had to then become a Buddhist monk. It was easy then. I don't have to work out what I'm going to fill in on the UAC form. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go and be a Buddhist monk. It's like, yes. And I also felt as if that's what I was needing to do. It wasn't like, I'm going to decide, you know, is the food okay? And the color of the robe. And it was just like, I've got to do that. I have to do that. And so it was those four noble truths that, that really motivated or precipitated or was leveraged to a whole, a whole um, path and direction in life. And um, I stood there for some time. Um, ultimately, it might have been you know, nearly an hour. And um, I just felt a deep sense of peace, joy. There's hardly any thought happening. And then I went home, just sort of all wet. And uh, my younger brother, sister, so I was 17, 15, 13, um, they were sort of a bit, are you okay? You sort of, you mean smoking anything? <laughs> and um, I just said nothing. And I remember not saying anything for about two or three days, just nothing to say. And um, when I did talk, I said, I said uh, I'm going to be a Buddhist monk. They, 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 my brother and sister, they were sort of like, this is really weird. Because uh, I hadn't shown any interest in doing anything like that before. Um, and my parents said, well, okay, well, yeah, if, if that's what you want to do, it's, you know, your father's interested in Buddhism, so, you know, give it a try if you want. You can always come back home. <laughs> I said, no, I won't be home. That's what I'm going to do. So I did... I, that was during Stuvac, just before the HSC. I did the HSC, even though I felt I didn't need to do it. I knew what I was going to do. Did it, did fine, qualified for uni, um, and I didn't wait around for the end of the year party and even awards. I got the, um, the um, Year 12 award for music, um, played music for the HSC. Uh, the guitar and... Also, the it was a Glockenspiel, Glocken, and some singing. But I had my mother cut my hair off about this this length. I said, off to the monastery. So um, I initially went to a, um, a Thai monastery in Sydney that I'd gone to many times with my parents since about the age of um, eleven. So I knew the monks there, and I stayed there for about. Um, about oh a week, during which time I met uh, a very senior English Buddhist monk who had recently, who I knew of, and he'd recently started a forest monastery up at Wiseman's Ferry. And, um, and I had a thought of maybe going there. And so he was visiting, I spoke to him, and I found um, his, his way of speaking and talking about things uh, just really aligned with, with what I what I felt, um, and so I, I sense that he's this. This guy's really wise, and I want to spend time with him. And so he said, "Come up and stay at uh, this forest monastery. It's more focused on meditation." And um, there's um, another young guy that's recently ordained. And so I said, "Yes." So I I um, then went up to this monastery. That was the end of eighty one. 1981, and ordained uh, January 7th, uh, 82. 
and so was there for about a year and a half before then deciding to go to northeast Thailand, um, feeling that I'd like to live in a, a larger, larger uh, monastery with more monks, monastics, monks and nuns, and especially uh, uh, in a Buddhist country, and especially with, uh, I'd heard uh, about Ajahn Chah, Thai meditation master, and read some of the books of his teachings, and um, so I felt motivated towards that. But uh, the, the reason I mention all of that is because of the profound impact of those four truths, and especially from one of them, because once you have a deep appreciation of one of them, it just the others just fall into place. Uh, for a lot of people, it's the first one. It's like, I'm really, I'm really suffering here. And then it goes, and so deep, this is real stress. And, uh, and then that then bursts into the, why am I suffering, which might be a bit more cognitive. Maybe it doesn't go straight to the third one as it did for me, but it was more like, um, they might go, okay, why am I suffering? Why is this happening? Um, oh, it's because of, because it might be externally that person. It's their fault. They're making me suffer. But it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's about my reaction to that, to them, or how I perceive them, or how, how I'm thinking about them, how I'm taking it so personally. Which um, also is uh, on one of the charts that we have, the, um, the four sources of suffering. Not getting what I want, losing what I like and love, having to be with that which is unpleasant, and also having to deal with the, uh, the nature of the, the mind and body because they're basically a source of dukkha, the mind that's unsettled or distracted or, or depressed or anxious or the body that's in pain or that's sick or that's aging or whatever. So the four sources of suffering then can be a motivation to, to see um, where change can occur. And, and even with those four sources of suffering, often it's about the clinging, you know, clinging or reacting, reacting, resisting, denying, distracting, which especially comes back to the someone that's doing it, me, I'm doing this. And as I mentioned in, in my experience, when the, when the me stops, then most of the suffering stops. We've probably appreciated that uh, uh, it's pretty much the self or the sense of self that suffers. Body experiences pain, and body can experience a lot of pain, but it's the me, you know, my reaction to that, the self that's, that suffers. And, and that's where, certainly over the years with our group, I've um, pointed out the importance of understanding not just who you are, but, but what you are. What is, what is the self? What is this phenomena that, uh, that we have that we take for granted? What is it? What is the form and function of the self? And in, in looking into that, questioning that, understanding that, then also there's a potential to reduce huge amounts of suffering, especially when we start to see what the, not just the function, but what the form of the self is, that it is um, anicca, dukkha, anatta, especially um, um, that it's, it's changing, it's not a static, stable thing. The self seeks stability and um, seeks to be static, but it's constantly changing. Identifying with this, I'm like this, I'm like that. Um, so it's, it's impermanent, anicca, it's unsatisfactory, dukkha, and there is no permanent self. Anatta, which means no permanent. There's, there's, self isn't a permanent static thing. It's not always constant. 
uh, in, in deep sleep, self's not happening. That's why sleep happens. The body can sleep because self isn't happening. You can't be awake while you're asleep. I think I'll just stay awake while I'm asleep. <laughs> I don't want to miss out. <laughs> I'd like to watch myself asleep. <laughs> um, so, uh, so in this sense that um, understanding the, the, not just the f uh, function, but the form of the self leads to great insight and a reduction of a lot of uh, suffering where the self is taking and making things personal. So um, uh, this is where these Four Noble Truths have great, great potential for us to, to wake up to reality, to realize reality, to allow reality to reveal, to be revealed to us. And the result is, is deep, deep peace, deep joy. doesn't mean that you, you have to go off to a monastery. <laughs> um, part of my experiment were in, in leaving the monastery was to see, well, um, it's possible to, to live a wholesome, skillful life, to, um, to be productive in the world, to, to be a decent person, uh, to not be caught into confusion as a layperson. At, at 17, I needed the form of a monastic life, a bit like university is really helpful. But uh, the skillful person doesn't need a university to, to learn and study things. But it is very helpful to have that, especially when um, we, we need the discipline or the structure or the rules or the guidelines or the teachers and, and so forth. But um, it's certainly possible for people not to need to be in a monastic life to, at the same time, have a spiritual life. Hence, there's no monks or nuns sitting here. We're all lay people, but we're interested in, in developing the quality of our consciousness, and basically having more peace and joy and meaning in our life as, as a layperson. So um, I encourage you to even try and remember these, these four truths. And uh, there's, there's you know, many books about them, especially since they're pretty much a summary of the Buddha's teachings. There's a great website you can check out. Uh, which has a lot of really good um, Buddhist teachings in a, in a, from a psychological, philosophical, social sense, also historical. And it's called Access to Insight, www.accesstoinsight.org. And uh, the person that, that has put that together and the, the various um, information and teachings is Tanisaro Bhikkhu, so he's a Western Buddhist monk who spent many years uh, in uh, Thailand, Northeast Thailand, with uh, uh, enlightened meditation masters and now has his own monastery in the West and has a great website that has got lots of good information. So I did actually download um, um, the Four Noble Truths, which is actually a bit of a study guide by him. But uh, the main thing is, is to, to realize these for yourself. Uh, and, and if you can learn them off by heart, which is so that they're there for you as a bit of a template. Okay, this is first truth. There is a truth of suffering. I'm suffering. Okay, there's a second truth. There is a cause of suffering. Ah, this is the cause here. Um, there is a third truth of the ending of suffering. If I understand the cause, I can bring about the ending. And there's a way to that, which is the practice path. So easy. Obviously, it's about putting it into practice and making it real or realizing it for ourself, so to speak. 
That's all for this episode. Until next time, head over to wellawareness.com.au and discover what's on offer to relieve stress and suffering and enhance your health and well-being. Ranging from one-on-one counselling relating to many issues facing individuals in today's modern world to meditation courses and retreats.